mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, standing with and for veterans in distress. We'll preview this week's Silent Watch event in the heart of downtown Findlay and why it matters. Also this morning, to your health, the FDA has signed off on a big update to the world's smallest pacemaker. It's a device the size of a vitamin pill that will never need to be replaced. We'll learn more. And the Hancock Historical Museum is busy preparing for Oktoberfest. It is downtown Findlay's biggest party of the year. Sarah Sisser will be here to tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, a follow-up to the story about the baby giraffe with no spots. You heard about this. Uh, it was born in East Tennessee at a zoo uh, there, believed to be the only reticulated giraffe without spots in the entire world. Uh, it just no, has, no, has no pattern. Uh, of spots it is uh, a, uh, a, t- a full brown color looks like a horse with a long neck um so no distinctive spots on it um so anyway uh the baby giraffe with no spots finally has a name uh zoo officials the brights zoo in east tennessee say that attendance has more than doubled since she made her big debut and after taking votes from some 40,000 people uh, voted on the name for this new baby giraffe, uh, the calf's name has been revealed as Kapike, Kapiki, Kapiki, K-I-P-E-K-E-E, Kapiki. Uh, and if you're thinking, well, that sounds like a very strange name. Uh, it is a Swahili word meaning unique. So I think it's very fitting. Kapiki, uh, the last reported case of a spotless giraffe was about a half a century ago in Tokyo. So this is extremely rare. And uh, she is definitely Kapiki or unique in Swahili. So there you go. Um... Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. What are the hardest working states in America? Uh, Based on a Labor Day study by the personal finance website WalletHub, they ranked all 50 states on 10 key factors. Among them, the number of people with more than one job, the average number of hours worked per week, and the overall unemployment rate. So, very tangible data that they use to compile a list of the 50 hardest working states, the hardest working states in America, ranking all all 50. And I should have looked this up uh, before we went on the air here, and I did not. So I don't know where Ohio ranks, other than to tell you that they are not in the that Ohio is not in the top five. Uh, the number one hardest working state in America, North Dakota. Uh, placed first. Alaska was second, uh, and South Dakota was in third. And what I noticed about all three of those at the top of the list, 
North Dakota, Alaska, and South Dakota is that uh, I would imagine that they are the hardest working states because basically there's nothing else to do in those states. <laughs> there's nothing else. There's nothing else going on. Um, Nebraska and Wyoming round out the top five list of the hardest working states in the U.S. I don't know where Ohio ranks. I don't know what the bottom states are, the least hardest working states. Uh, I, I don't know that information, but I'll try and uh, try and look that up and get back to you on that. Or you can look it up yourself. It's Wallet Hub's hardest working states in America ranking for 2023. Um, this was kind of uh, uh, kind of interesting. Have uh, uh, have you ever heard that uh, story that opposites attract? Um, apparently, that is not necessarily uh, the case. It is much more likely, according to research, that people with similar experiences uh, will be drawn to each other as opposed to opposites uh, attracting. A Western Kentucky University study found four traits that lead to relationship bliss. You want to be happy in your relationship. These four traits will determine that, according to this study from Western Kentucky University. A positive outlook, accessibility, a balance in sociability, and similar attractiveness and intelligence. Between a pair of partners, similar attractiveness and intelligence, which seems very subjective to me. Um, Scientists gave 171 couples fictional situations like finding a partner's secret Tinder profile and just to see what their responses would be. You discovered that your partner had a secret Tinder profile. How would you react? Interestingly, positive traits increased with age, suggesting that people learn from past relationship mistakes. Jealousy, insecurity, lack of communication, antisocial behaviors, and being mismatched were associated with more relationship problems. Being mismatched. So again, that opposites attract thing, not so much, apparently, according to this uh, to this study, you want to be happy in your relationship, maintain a positive outlook, uh, be accessible to your significant other, uh, maintain a balance in sociability, which I take that to mean, and I don't know, just as I'm reading, I take that to mean um, do things that your partner likes from time to time, balance those things out, do something that she likes to do and ladies do something that he likes to do and you kind of trade off and that balance in sociability and similar attractiveness and intelligence. The four keys to a lasting relationship for what it's worth. Um, now, this was kind of, uh, kind of interesting. A, a new study uh, utilizing Google Trends that begin... Uh, the, the the trends in Google searches that begin with the words, who is? The folks at Casino.org actually put this together. I don't know why. Uh, but they analyze data, and people who are searching for 
uh, making internet searches beginning with the words, who is? Uh, and this, they looked at the last 90 days of searches. They wanted to find the most searched for individual in each state over the course of the summer. Uh, from Taylor Swift's billion dollar eras tour to Lionel Messi's move uh, to the United States to play for the Inter-Miami soccer team. The past few months have been an eventful ride for public figures, they say. The results were a delightful mix of the unexpected and the usual suspects. Topping the list with a resounding 56.8% of searches was the enigmatic question, who is Grimace? (laughs) Who is Grimace? The most searched for who is in Google over the course of the summer. That's right. The purple icon from McDonald's. When the Grimace birthday meal hit menus in June, viral memes and TikTok played a role in making Grimace an online sensation. Uh, 56.8% of the the searches. Uh, Who is Grimace? In second place with 17.6% of the searches. So a distant second came the perennial question, who is the richest person in the world? Elon Musk, by the way, is the answer uh, to that. Um, What I thought was interesting as you break down the data state by state, some people seem to need a refresher in civics. Uh, In New Jersey, New York, and Texas, the query um, that was most notable, who is the president? (laughs) Really? New York, New Jersey, and Texas, all asking, who is the president? Um, and in New Mexico and North Dakota, uh, they want to know who is running for president. Uh, and if you don't know that by now, um, let's see here. Some of the other uh, questions, who is Kanye West's new wife? Who is Jelly Roll, the uh, country music artist? Rising star in the country music. Montana uh, was asking, who is Kim Kardashian dating? Montana. They're asking that. And um, in South Dakota, uh, they're asking, who is Matt Reif? Who is apparently a TikTok comedi- comedian. I did not know that. Anyway, there you go. Some of the... I just thought that. Who is president? Who is... Who is asking about that? That's why I want to know. And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, if you follow college sports, this is a sports story, if you follow college sports, you know how the Pac-12 conference has completely imploded in just the past few months. It started last year when the Big Ten poached a couple of members, USC, UCLA, and then the Big 12 stole a few. The Big Ten then grabbed a couple more. The ACC took in three of the ones that were left. Long story short, there are only two members uh, that as of now remain in the conference after this year, just two. So there's been a lot of speculation about what may happen with these two orphan schools and if the storied Pac-12 conference will simply cease to exist after this year or if they can maybe rebuild with new members. Well, Stuart Mandel of The Atlantic recently posed the most intriguing scenario 
as to what may happen moving forward. He pointed out that NCAA rules require a conference to have at least eight members, but there is a two-year grace period for any conference that falls below that number, meaning that for the next two years, Oregon State and Washington State could theoretically operate as a two-team conference. They could be the Pac-2. <laughs> they could make their own schedules. They could play each other once for the conference championship. And in theory, if the winner was one of the five highest-ranked conference champions after that one game, they could steal one of the automatic bids in the newly expanded college football playoffs. <laughs> I read that, I'm thinking, I think, I hope that's exactly what they do. I hope that's exactly what they do. If for no other reason than to thumb their nose at all the other teams and conferences that left them high and dry. I think that would be all kinds of awesome. You just throw everything in disarray. Why not? There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. A chance of showers and storms today with a high in the mid-80s. A chance of a storm tonight, a low in the mid-60s. A busy Finley Road will be closing for a water line installation project. West Main Cross between South Quarry Street and Southwest Street in downtown Finley will be closing on Monday, September 11 for approximately five days. The water line that's being installed is for the new Hancock County Judicial Center building that's going up at 209 West Main Cross between Corey Street and the post office. The city says the post office will remain accessible during the road closure. Detours will be posted. Get more on our website. These are uncertain days for more than 10,000 auto workers in Ohio and many more across the country. Auto workers across the country are facing a potential strike in less than 10 days. The UAW is pressing the big three automakers for a new contract before the current one expires September 14th. The union wants a 46% pay raise, shortened work weeks, and pensions restored. Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, formerly known as Fiat Chrysler, have all balked at the proposal. I'm Angela Ann. Area police departments are warning the public of a phone scam in which individuals are posing as law enforcement officials by calling potential victims regarding outstanding warrants or fines and asking them for payment. The scammers are using spoof law enforcement phone numbers along with the names, positions, and addresses of officers. Police remind the public that law enforcement will never call you if you have an arrest warrant for missing jury duty, nor will they ask you to send money to clear a warrant. Get more on the scam in the story on our website. The Cleveland Browns host the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday to start the NFL season. ONN's Adam King has more with the Browns head coach. Kevin Stavansky said, There are few teams in the NFL that know each other better than these two. There's so much tape to watch of your scheme versus their scheme, and, and they've obviously evolved over time just like we have. We know what type of challenge this is. It's a huge challenge. they are uh, got great players, really good coaches. Uh, we know uh, what you're getting into. I'm Adam King. The Browns-Bengals game kicks off at 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So our cover story this morning, uh, something of a very serious nature. Coming up tomorrow, uh, some... Folks in Finlay are going to be standing with and for Veterans in Distress. It is the Silent Watch event right in the heart of downtown Finlay. 
And uh, Titus Allen, Allen Cramp uh, Wealth Management, is with us uh, this morning with uh, more details. Titus, thanks very much for dropping by once again. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Um, this is something that uh, folks remember you did last year for the uh, for the first time. Uh, first of all, talk a little bit about the purpose of the Silent Watch event. So, so the first first off, the purpose is just to again aw- raise awareness in Suicide Prevention Month about um, the battles that some of our finest people in this country face mm-hmm. often isn't the battle they go to fight. It's the battle they fight when they come back Yeah, and to let them know they're not alone mm-hmm. and um, there are res- resources and the people in the community care and um, just get people tuned into what they can do. You know, if you, if you know them, see something, say something, get yeah. engaged. Yeah. Um, these are our best and they deserve our best from us. Yeah. And talk about how you got involved in the silent watch uh, movement because there were uh, these silent watches are done uh, all over the uh, all over the country especially this part of the country uh, as folks again may remember we were talking about this last year um, it is this is a very personal story for you yes one of one of my best friends um, someone that I had the privilege of knowing uh, Gavin Smith Right after 9-11, he was one of the many brave men and women that jumped on and immediately signed up and went and served, did a couple tours. Uh, He was a gunner on a Humvee, and, um, you know, like most military people, he doesn't talk a whole lot about what happened, but I got got enough. And Mm -hmm. um, when he got back, that's when his challenges really started dealing with all of that. It was very hard. Yeah. So I watched him for over a decade and um, spent hours talking with him and... um, just when I thought he was at his best. And that's, that's why, you know, you just don't know. Um, yeah. We lost him when, when I thought he was doing his absolute best. So um, this is just one small thing we can do that, hey, maybe, maybe we can help someone else. Yeah. Just get them plugged in um, to pay attention, and here's the resources. And so the Silent Watch raises money for uh, 22 a day, which is an organization that um, has, has more resources that can help these fine people which is uh when something like that happens and and hits so close to home you really recognize just how pervasive this problem is i mean there are a lot of veteran organizations uh that have been out there for a long time saying this is a problem and until you you know it hits home that that really drives the point for me i saw it with my, my grandpa was a world war ii vet yeah. And those guys and ladies came back, and we didn't quite know what we know now. Mm-hmm. Um, human brain was not intended to have to process and handle those kind of concussions and, and trauma. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, th- there's things that we can't fix everything, but what we can do, we're going to do everything we can to, to let people know, he, 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 here's what we can do to help what I think are the best people in this this country. Yeah. Um, so... Talk a little bit about what the the Silent Watch is and and what will be happening as as part of this because the the symbolism the vision you know the the um, imagery uh, that is part of this is uh, is very moving and and it it really again it 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 hits you when you see this display yeah yeah so. We start at 7, uh, it ends at 5.30. This is in the front of the courthouse, and um, there will be a casket. Uh, Colder and Crates was kind enough to help with that. And um, every 22 minutes, because we lose 
one of these fine people every 65 minutes. Um, so every tw- that's 22 a day. So every t- 22 minutes we ring a bell and switch out the watch. And uh, anybody who wants to just stand by the casket, and again, 22 minutes to show that you stand with these guys and ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a time that you can, I it, for me, personally reflect on the sacrifices people uh, make for this, this country and yeah. freedom's never free. Yeah, I, as as you go by, as you drive, it's so important for this to happen, you know, right there in front of the courthouse, as we said, right in the heart of downtown Finley, where people will see this. And when you when you drive by, you can't help but notice um, that there is something important going on. Um, and it, it, while you said uh, standing guard. Uh, in silent watch uh, at the uh, symbolic casket uh, is a time to reflect for those who stand. It also uh, demonstrates to the individuals who are in need of help that people understand, people get it, uh, and there there is, knowing what we know now, uh, one of the reasons why veterans don't seek help is because they don't want to feel ostracized or don't want to feel labeled this the idea is to kind of break that down in a very visible way right and for everybody's on their own journey but for me i would have thought prior to losing gavin these are really tough people that can handle it Mm -hmm. um but that's really these these are bigger than than just being tough they're and they do need more help often than than just trying to gut it out what struck me last year um, was just how many stories came in. We didn't know what to expect, and mm-hmm. we were getting people that were just driving by, and it was story after story after story. I had no idea how pervasive, even around here, just mm-hmm. people driving off saying they lost their, their to this, they lost their cousin, their son, their yeah, and and just heartbreaking. And and even those who don't go to that final step of 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 taking their own life, uh, often. Their their lives are irrevo- uh, irrevocably changed and altered because of what they have experienced and not knowing how to process it. So, even if it doesn't ultimately result in a suicide, it certainly impacts an individual's life for the duration of their life. Permanently changed, and just in my conversations with Gavin, I cannot relate. I was not there. Yeah, you know the the guys that were closest to him were those guys in his in his troop, and um, but there are people here, there are people in our community mm-hmm. that they can connect with that absolutely know what they're going through. And you're right, it's a you, you sacrifice a lot, um, and you won't come back the same often. Right. Yeah, um, we talk about the resources that are available. Uh, some of those will be uh, there in the form of the uh, Hancock County Veterans Service Office. Going to have a lot of information for anyone who uh, may need help. Uh, that'll be a part of this as well, right? Correct. Um, they've been great, and there's 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 just a host of things that they can get plugged in through through that, um, and and often it's not picking the the right group or the, just getting started and getting plugged in and, and uh, getting getting to it before it gets too yeah. far gone. Yeah. Um, again, it all starts uh, at 7 a.m. tomorrow, continues through the day. If folks want more information, uh, can folks still sign up to uh, Stand Watch? Absolutely, and you can show up the day of. 
okay. like I said, every 22 minutes. Um, you know, we, we like to always have at least one on each side of the casket, but I think uh, we were getting <laughs> five, ten, yeah. which is great. Yeah. yeah, We'll take any any show of support. We'll take um, all comers, and yes, you can just show up. It ends at uh, 5.30 tomorrow. Yeah. It seems like uh, 22 minutes, a very small amount of time to sacrifice to send a big message to those uh, who uh, are in need of, uh, of help and certainly very deserving of our uh, respect and admiration. Uh, we've got a link up on our webpage for more information about tomorrow's Silent Watch in front of the uh, Hancock County Courthouse, downtown Findlay. And again, Titus Allen, Allen Cramp Wealth Management with us uh, this morning, helping to uh, organize and put all of this on for the second year in a row. Titus, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Well, to your health this morning, we are joined by cardiac electrophysiologist, Dr. Rob Cowell, to talk about uh, an update to the, the next generation of the world's smallest pacemaker, the size of a vitamin, which recently won FDA approval. Uh, Dr. Cowell, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. First of all, I, I think most of us are familiar with the concept of a pacemaker in broad terms, what it is, what it's designed to do. But before we get into the specifics of this uh, micro uh, pacemaker, explain what the difference is between generally, broadly, between the pacemakers of today and the ones that my father or grandfather might have received decades ago. Great place to start. So to start, you know, a pacemaker is a, a battery-powered electronic device that gets implanted uh, in the body to stimulate the heart for those people whose heart rate is too slow so that it restores a more normal heart rate. And if you go back to when kind of Medtronic invented pacing 60 years ago, um, that device would be the size of a hockey puck, huge, sitting under wow. the skin with wires going from that device into the heart and a battery life of about three years. Fast forward to now, a, a traditional or standard type pacemaker is about 10 times smaller, the size of an Oreo cookie, but still has these wires and still sits um, in, in a, uh, uh, under the skin in the chest wall. Micro, the leadless pacemaker that was invented about six years ago, size, as you said, of a vitamin pill, is another 10 times smaller and is so small, you can get rid of the leads. You can get rid of that kind of position under the skin and deliver it directly into the heart. And now the latest uh, uh, change is that we've been able to miniaturize battery technology so much that you can have this last now 16 to 17 years without having to be uh, changed. So most patients, this is the only device they ever need. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, if you do the math, if it'll last uh, upwards of a decade and a half plus, then more than likely this is not something that someone would have to have, you know, the battery changed uh, like in, in years past. The, 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 size, as you mentioned, is just mind-boggling how small uh, this is and the benefits for the patient. I mean, some of the benefits, I, I would imagine, are pretty self-explanatory, pretty easy to see. But what medically is the advantage of shrinking a pacemaker down to the size of a vitamin? Yeah, no, great question. So first off, you hit it on the head, easy to see because you can't see it. 
So traditional pacemakers, you have a scar, there's a bump, you feel it every day. This, you get the therapy, but you don't see anything because there's no reminder uh, of that the device is there. You just can't see it. But with that come it, it, some important benefits. Um, even though pacing is very mature and traditional pacemakers are excellent devices, they come with some uh, negatives. And that is because it sits under the skin and because they have these wires, those are the weaker links. Those wires can, um, can need to be changed or the device under the skin can get an infection. And by getting rid of that, those components and moving it into the heart, we can drop the already low side effect or complication rate by another 50% hmm. um, by using a, a leadless device like Micra. And again, not having to go in to change the battery either is a, a benefit that is easy to understand. Now, is this something that is an alternative for anyone who needs a pacemaker or is it only uh, appropriate for certain types of cases? Um, you know, it's appropriate for about half the patients who need pacing. And without kind of getting too geeky, um, there are a variety of reasons why you might need pacing. But when the lower chamber of the heart or the ventricles are slow, um, Micra is an option. And then in some people, they just can't tolerate an incision in the chest because of a risk of infection or they, they don't have any space to put the wires. And that's where Micra also shines as an, as an option. So what questions would a patient want to ask of their doctor if they are uh, interested in this to learn whether or not that would be this would be a, an option for them? Yeah, no, that's that's terrific because that that conversation with the physician with your physician is the most important thing. So step one is, do I need a pacemaker and will that help my condition? Uh, and if so, then step two is, which type of pacemaker is going to offer me the best chance of um, having the best recovery at the lowest rate of side effects? And um, for some people, it might be traditional pacing, but for a lot of people, it may be one of these um, micro-leadless pacemakers. It is really exciting stuff and, and mind-boggling medical technology. Again, uh, cardiac electrophysiologist Dr. Rob Cowell uh, with us this morning. As we alluded to, the best source of information about this is going to be your physician. But that being said, where do we get more kind of general information about all of this? Yeah, we're, we're very serious at Medtronic about making sure patients are well-informed at Medtronic.com slash Micra, M-I-C-R-A. Um, someone can learn about the device, uh, its history, what it's indicated for, as well as learn about traditional pacers uh, as well. Dr. Cowell, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Leading off today's broken news, we have a candidate for the title of least subtle criminal in America. The least subtle criminal in America, because you would think. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a criminal. I have no desire to be a criminal. You would think that lesson number one in criminal school, <laughs> if they had such a thing, would be try to not draw attention attention to yourself. That would seem to be the 
most important lesson. Uh, and one that Nicholas Coffey uh, did not take to heart. Uh, Mr. Coffey, you see, decided to take his alleged crime spree to the digital age and flaunt it on social media. It's amazing how many uh, criminals in the modern day, in the 21st century, will do this. Uh, the Volusia County Sheriff's Office in Florida uh, reports that uh, Nicholas Coffey uh, used a stolen Mercedes-Benz as his getaway vehicle during a string of break-ins in Deltona, Florida recently. Security cameras uh, caught him red-handed along with uh, with a partner um, who has uh, as yet to be identified. Um, but uh, they were both decked out in face coverings and gloves. Uh, so you're thinking, so how is it that they identified Mr. Coffee? Well, two things. Uh, number one uh, was uh, his distinct face and neck tattoos. <laughs> so he kind of stood out from the crowd for that uh, reason. And if that wasn't enough, uh, Mr. Coffee proudly posted about his new Mercedes Benz on social media. <laughs> hey, look at my new car. I just stole it. Uh, in a surprising twist, uh, Mr. Coffee did not de- uh, deny his online alter ego when confronted by police, but conveniently omitted any confession to the actual crimes. But again, face and neck tattoos helped the cops identify uh, and, and realize they had their man. Uh, he is now behind bars on a laundry list of charges. Uh, the identity of his partner in crime remains a mystery because apparently his partner was smart enough not to brag about it on social media. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. Uh, let's see. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, also from the state of Florida. Now, this is just... <laughs> a three-legged bear recently decided to uh, visit a, a local Florida family. Uh, this particular bear... A taste for the finer things in life, apparently. Joseph uh, uh, Diglio is a resident of um, the I don't know where exactly in or is this uh, near Orlando or outside of Orlando? Okay, in the Orlando area of Florida. Joseph Diglio was minding his own business when the family's dog started barking frantically. And uh, that drew his attention to the unexpected guest, the bear, three-legged bear. Uh, And apparently this three-legged bear is well-known in the community. They call him Tripod. (laughs) And Tripod was in the mood to party. Security cameras captured the bear's daring break-in as it busted through a screen on the lanai, the screen in lanai. And uh, once there on the uh, lanai of the home... Uh, the bear helped himself to some food uh, that was out, which is what I'm sure attracted the bear. But then uh, the bear moved on to the refrigerator in the uh, lanai, raided the fridge of not one, not two, but three white claws. <laughs> Had some drinks there. Um, Mr. Diglio said the uh, that Tripod ate the uh, the food. That we had uh, outside it was fish food. It was intended for the uh, fish tank. <laughs> Helped himself to the fish food. 
then proceeded to the bar. He took three white claws, drank, and left very happy. Uh, it appears that Tripod's favorite flavor is mango and strawberry. <laughs> uh, despite the uh, chaos, uh, the Diglio family remains remarkably chill about the whole uh, experience. He says, we try to respect their habitat as much as we can. <laughs> Tripod, the local party animal bear, uh, left his mark uh, on the uh, lanai and, uh, and the screen. So they'll repair that and try not to leave out the fish food again. Uh, let's see. A couple of other uh, items from the international file. The broken news. Tripod, the three-legged bear. Uh, in China... A a woman identified simply as Q was caught on tape reportedly trying to steal an iPhone uh, in a store by chewing through an anti-theft wire. You know how they have all of those things, you know, wired to the display so people don't just walk off of the phones. Well, Ms. Q can be seen browsing the devices in a, a local store there in Fujian, China. After uh, looking at uh, all of the devices, she, I guess, decided the one that she wanted. And uh, she lifted the device to her mouth and started chewing through the security cable. (laughs) Apparently, she got through that. She chewed through the cable and uh, put the phone into her bag and and left. Uh, Caught on tape, though. So she was confronted by police after the incident she claims she intended to buy the phone uh she, she had intended to buy the phone but the price was too high so <laughs> well it's perfectly understandable you know the, the price is too high what are you gonna do uh, you just chew through the wire and steal it chewing through the security wire though i mean those cables are <clears throat> man some pretty uh solid chompers she's got there You'd hurt your teeth. And uh, finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this also from uh, China. Kind of a light day of the uh, broken news, actually. But this is from uh, China, where authorities have arrested two construction workers accused of using an excavator to dig a hole through the Great Wall of China in the Shangxi province. (laughs) The, The Cultural Relics Bureau said earlier this week that the two individuals used an excavator to dig a shortcut through the Great Wall, which dates back to the Ming Dynasty of the 14th century uh, in the uh, Shangxi province. The uh, suspects have been identified as a 38-year-old man and 55-year-old woman. Uh, Local police were notified of the damage uh, late last month after following tracks from the damaged site, officers located the excavator and the pair of sub, uh, suspects who told authorities they dug a hole in the Great Wall of China in order to create a shortcut through the ancient wall uh, to get to their construction site. <laughs> there was a wall in the way, so, hey, we've got an excavator. Let's just bust a hole in the wall. It's the Great Wall of China. They take that thing very seriously. <laughs> that is a major landmark. That'd be that'd be like in this country, you know, knocking down the Washington Monument because it was in the way of a <laughs> project. 
uh, it'd be like uh, bowling over the Statue of Liberty because it was blocking the harbor in uh, New York. Anyway, <laughs> they uh, needed to get a, a short. Now, to be fair, in all fairness, the wall is like 13,000 miles long. I mean, this is, you know, a huge uh, wall. So to go around the wall, I mean, it'd be rather impractical. I guess. Uh, The section of the wall has been, according to news reports, damaged beyond repair. So, it's a big scandal in China. (laughs) There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. I'm guessing that these guys are in just a little bit of hot water. How would you like to uh, be? I mean, in China, they don't take criminal activity lightly. They don't coddle criminals at all in China. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report and update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Fall is for tree planting. Successful tree planting includes following the Ohio tree planting specifications. The Ohio Chapter International Society of Arboriculture, Ohio Green Industry Association, Ohio State University Extension, and Ohio Department of Natural Resources Division of Forestry have endorsed the Ohio tree planting specifications. Visit trees4ohio.org to learn more about the planting guidelines. That's trees4ohio.org. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Do you consider yourself a nerd? (laughs) According to a new survey, there are now more nerds in this country than you may think. Um, Or maybe you know that already because you probably count yourself among them. The survey of 2,000 people uh, reveals that 72% of Americans identify self-identify as nerds, geeks, or dorks. <laughs> Remember the, the terms of our youth. Nerds, geeks, dorks. 72% of us self-identify as nerds. Uh, according to uh, these data points, uh, the website casino.org, and why casino.org did this, I, I don't know, but casino.org is responsible uh, for this. Uh, used some 10,000 raw data points to do a deep dive into geek culture. And uh, they even ranked the nerdiest city in the U.S. So um, what's on this, uh, all this data? First of all, (laughs) the number one most popular fandom in the country is Harry Potter. Harry Potter fandom, super fans, more than anything uh, else, according to the uh, survey. And while one might assume that the tech industry has the most self-identifying nerds, uh, it is actually uh, the legal profession, uh, the the law and legal profession, with the most self-identified nerds. We have legal nerds out there. Um 85% of the people in that line of work identify as nerds or geeks, legal geeks. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. The the survey uh, parsed what we are geeking out about in any given state, uh, broken down by internet geeks, most common in states 
including Texas and Florida, tech geeks in California, New York, and Colorado, movie geeks are the most common in Georgia, Massachusetts, and Oklahoma. There are also book geeks in Alaska and Nebraska. According to the poll, the nerdiest city in the U.S. is Austin, Texas. Uh, The nerdiest state is Rhode Island. Uh, In Maine, uh, it's probably the least nerdy state, as it turns out. Maine, 75% of the population said that they were not nerds. (laughs) So, hey, we're in Maine. We're cool. (laughs) 75% not nerds. Um, Let's see here. The... The city in America, and I thought this was kind of interesting. Let's see what you think. The city in America with the uh, uh, the the highest concentration of nerds and geeks and dorks. The highest concentration. Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Highest concentration of geeks, nerds, and dorks. Uh I'm sorry, after after we mentioned Austin was the highest concentration, Columbus, Ohio second to Austin in terms of the uh, highest concentration of geeks. (laughs) That was followed by Arlington, Virginia, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Burlington, Vermont. Sarah Sisser is here to tell us what's happening in the month of September. The Hancock Historical Museum, the big uh, thing, of course, is Oktoberfest later on. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But before we get there, tomorrow, got another brown bag lunch lecture uh, event. And uh, what is the topic this month here? That's right. Always the first Thursday of every month, our brown bag lecture, uh, free for members and just $3 if you're not a member. Tomorrow, we will have with us Dr. Rebecca Mancuso. She's a professor of public history and local history at Bowling Green State University. And she's going to be talking a little bit about um, women activists in Ohio uh, in the from the late 80s to the early 2000s who helped to really revolutionize the whole child support system. Mm-hmm. Um, so women's activism in the state. And that should be uh, pretty interesting. And I know Dr. Mancuso has not been with us before, but a great speaker. Um, she also serves on the board at the Wood County Historical Museum. So pretty passionate about local and regional history. Yeah, that will be uh, will be very interesting. So again, noon tomorrow uh, for that event. Um, also, should mention next week, the uh, tickets go on sale for the Historic Homes Tour, right? That's right. And we're excited, of course, about Homes Tour. We do that every other year. Mm -hmm. The Historic Homes Tour has been taking place in our community for, I think, close to 40 years now. Um, And we do this on the years when we don't have the Historic Barn Tour. So, you know, different focus each year. This year, um, I'm so excited that we have some of the oldest homes in Finley, on the tour. So really um, a special opportunity to see some of these. I think of them as just time capsules. In fact, the one house, I was completely starstruck, I think is the best word when I went through it, uh, knowing the history um, that I do. So we will have um, five homes on the tour this year. And uh, we have tickets available for the Saturday evening preview event, which will take place on October 
uh, 7th, Saturday evening, October 7th. Okay. And those tickets are limited. Um, and it's a special opportunity to see these homes, um, again, with limited attendance, but also we'll have sort of a soiree at the end of the evening at okay. the Jones Mansion, which will be featured on the tour this year, where we'll have live music, drinks included, heavy appetizers, um, and an opportunity to talk a little bit more with some of the homeowners and people with like-minded interests in historic preservation. Um, so that should be uh, a great evening. Again, that's Saturday, October 7th. And then the larger tour itself is the following day, Sunday, October 8th. The tour will go from 11 to 4. It's self-guided. So you purchase your tickets. You can uh, start at any home and proceed in any order at your own leisure. We'll have some docents in each house. Um, you can purchase those tickets pre-sale. As you said, that go on sale next week. Um, you must purchase them pre-sale for the Saturday evening preview. Okay. For Sunday, you will also have the opportunity to purchase them day of at the Historical Museum. But okay. the price does increase a little bit. Okay. So uh, get those tickets. Um as soon as you can, especially for the preview, because those are limited. Yes, those uh, will sell out. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what I love about the historic homes tour is a lot of times uh, people go just because they want to see the inside of the yes, houses. Yes, being a little snoopy. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then, like you said, you get more than that. You really learn about the, the history uh, behind it, which is a whole other level. Yes, absolutely. And this year, we're fortunate that the homes are, they're very walkable. They're within um, close proximity to each other. And um, one of the homeowners sort of helped me, inspired the the theme for this year, which we're saying is from Finley's oldest to grandest. Because again, we do have the Jones Mansion, which is our last sort of unaltered mansion, 9,000 square feet Mm -hmm. in Finley and beautifully restored, as many people know, by Eric Van Rennerham. Um, But we also have what we believe to be the oldest home in Finley. Um, It was moved, so it's not in its original location, um, but it was originally on South Main Street, um, built by Dr. Bass Rawson, who was our first um, resident physician in the community, built in the early 1830s. And Mm. it is a beautiful federal style home that has recently been restored by the owner. So that is really special. Mm. Neat stuff. Uh, So get those tickets. They go on sale next week. Correct. Okay. Now. Oktoberfest. This is, uh, as we said, downtown Findlay's biggest party of the year, and it is uh, coming up later this month. Again, there is a reason why... Uh, Oktoberfest is in September. There are there are places that do Oktoberfest in October, and they're actually doing it wrong, as it <laughs> that turns is, out. Traditionally, the event does start in September, <laughs> and it is, again, traditionally a multi-day event yeah. um, and, and ends in October. But yeah. yes, it does typically traditionally start in September. Um, and so our festival this pl- this year will take place on September 23rd, downtown Finley. Yes, it is the largest party in downtown Finley, and we're so very proud and fortunate to be able to host it uh, as the Hancock Historical Museum. A lot of people, I think, don't realize that it is definitely a party with a purpose, that it is our largest fundraiser of the year. Um, we're a privately funded organization, so this fundraiser makes all the difference for us in our annual yeah. operations and helps to underwrite our educational programming. So we really appreciate the community support, but it is a ton of fun. And we're also really proud of the fact that it's a family-focused event. Um, and so you can, you know, fun for all ages. We have a huge children's area with a lot of activities. Um, lots of other nonprofit organizations jump on board to help us make that, like, just a really robust area of the festival mm-hmm. and fun for kids. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, beer is another component of the festival. And we have a great selection of German imports and a lot of great microbreweries from all over the state. That will be joining us. Wonderful food, as always. Some of um, the the favorite uh, German food vendors from throughout the state, like Schmitz, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, also lots of great regional and local food vendors. Live music, 
contest, just something for everybody. And this year, we're also screening the Ohio State game uh, because it's a big one, Ohio State versus Notre Dame. So we'll have a large screen <laughs> down uh, on Main Street so you can come and watch the game as well. Uh, and will uh, will folks need tickets for that in advance? or You do not yes. um, okay. need to purchase tickets in advance for that. You will p- purchase admission at the gate, okay. um, which is $5 if you're over 21 and $3 under. Uh, 21. And so, yeah, that's done at the gate. And then beer tickets uh, will be purchased that day as well. Um, And you still need uh, folks to help pull this off. We do. It takes, as I always say, a small army to pull off an event like this. Um, Over 200 volunteers just for one day. We're doing pretty good with our volunteer sign up. Um, So thank you to everybody who has signed up to participate. We do still need people to help us with that last shift. Um, from 7.30 to 10.30. And it's a lot of fun because that's when the party's in full force. So um, if you would like to help us out, you can go to OctoberfestFinley.com. Learn a lot more about the event there and sign up to help. You get a free t-shirt and free admission to the event if you help us out. That is... it really, all you need to know, it is so big that it has its own website. It so there you go. Uh, and when we get a little bit closer, we'll talk more uh, details about the event. But for now, what you need to know is to put the uh, date on the calendar, which is Saturday, September 23rd. 23rd. Okay. Uh, again, uh, Sarah Sisser here from the uh, Hancock Historical Museum with details about things coming up. Here in the month of September, a lot of things going on and obviously very busy, most notably preparing for Oktoberfest. Sarah, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. So check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Spectrum Cable customers last week lost access to nearly two dozen Disney-owned channels, including ESPN. These kind of carriage disputes are nothing new, but this one is different, and we'll explain why. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.